Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dynasty Bulls Podcast. Nick Hales is the Redskins Partner. And Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build foundation. This is the Dynasty Bulls. Podcast with me as always is Nick Hale to the Redskins Wagner. Nick, what is up, my friend? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, you know, we've known all these mock drafts lately. I was pretty entertained a few days ago when uh, somebody drafted Chris Borland about 20 minutes before he announced his retirement. I thought that was pretty fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. I was so excited about that opening music. That was a little bolt thrower for you. I forgot to say my name. I am Joshua Johnson, co-host of the uh, Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, and then Nick Wagner, of course, is my other co-host. But anyway, we have a fabulous show in store for you today as we cover the AFC South. Uh, Sharona and Julie are going to stop by from NFL Female to talk about the Titans and Colts, respectively. We also have uh, NFL Draft hopeful Carliff Taylor, who looks to be listed as a where he could play anywhere along the defensive line, also listed at right guard. So we're going to ask him about that. It sounds like he has uh, quite the future, and there's a little bit of a little bit of a buzz surrounding him as kind of a day three steal. So uh, we'll be excited to have Carliff on here a little bit later. Uh, Sharon will be joining us in a few. But uh, what uh, what do we think? Okay, this is this is what I'm thinking here, Nick. Why? Or I'm not thinking. I'm questioning. Why deal Sean McCoy? I understand you get a good linebacker, but then you go and sign DeMarco Murray. Is there that much of a money difference between those two players? I don't know if it was a money difference. Uh, I think it was more like a scheme fit. I think DeMarco Murray hits the hole a little faster than Sean McCoy, and that's more what Chip Kelly was looking for. Plus the fact that now you have two running backs there with DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews as opposed to just the one in McCoy. I I think it was a pretty good deal overall for Philly. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think when you're looking at DeMarco and LaShawn, you're kind of just splitting hairs. Honestly, I think I would choose McCoy just because of the injury history there, and he's a little bit younger, but... I am not Chip Kelly, therefore I am here in my dining room in South Dakota and not in Philadelphia. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned it, Ryan Matthews as well. What, are they running the wishbone? I mean, what 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 are the 
you know, what are the obviously they're not going to do that, but what are the dynasty implications for both of these guys? I mean, I both I know they're older running backs, so they're not they're not huge on a lot of dynasty boards, but they got to take a little bit of a hit too, knowing knowing that both of these guys are there, don't you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's tricky uh, uh, judging the dynasty value of these two. Demarco Murray last year was his first season with six playing all sixteen games, but he has played in ten or more games every season that he's been in the league. He's definitely not going to see those three hundred ninety-two carries again like he had last year, and that's a good thing I think for dynasty owners. If he was still in Dallas getting those that amount of carries, he'd only have one or maybe two years left in him before he's done. Now I think he could possibly be productive for a good three to five years, just not a top three back like he was in Dallas last year, and you know. You know what? I actually like Ryan Matthews a little bit more now. I think he's a great handcuff, and if Murray suffers the same fate as other running backs that have that many carries in a the season, then he's he could struggle with injuries this year. So it's possible that a fresh Ryan Matthews could be a running back one in November and December in the fantasy playoffs if Murray were, were to get hurt. Uh, yeah, excuse me. Um, and I think Matthews especially – might be a little more attractive in PPRs where he's going to take a hit in standards. He's going to take a little bit, a little bit of a jump, not a huge jump. Not I mean, not where he would be at this time last year, but I think he certainly, certainly is a little more valuable there because I think they'll probably use him more. Where, and where does exactly does this leave Darren Sproles, Nick? I think Sproles will probably see a similar amount of work as he had last year. You know, he's not the typical running back. He's more of a pass-catching threat out of the backfield or a change-of-pace guy. So I, I think Sproles will still see see some action. Okay, well, we have Sharona on the line. We'll get back to more free agency talk here a little bit later. As we, uh, well, we'll patch Sharona through here. Sharona, are you there? I am. Hi, guys. Good. How is how is it down there in Tennessee today? You know, it's a little cool today. I took my dog outside, um, as we usually do this morning. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt because it was beautiful yesterday. It was in the and I think it actually might have even gotten up to 80 or close to 80. Beautiful, gorgeous day, and I don't know what the temperature is. I'll have to check that. But I walked outside this morning. It was cold. I was like, what's up with this? Oh, well, I'm sure it's not as cold as it is here in South Dakota. But anyway, we're here to talk about football, about the weather. Yeah. Sorry for the icebreaker question there. Uh, Sharona, you've joined <laughs> me, me and Nick before in our old podcast, but uh, we are now here at the Dynasty Football Warehouse doing this Dynasty Pulse thing, so we want to thank you for joining us here. Um, I think you were probably me. the first. Yeah, no problem. I think you are probably the first gal I ever encountered on Twitter from uh, – I'm sorry, is gal an appropriate term? I sound like my mother, no, my, my, my wife's grandma. <laughs> uh, I don't get offended by them. I don't like I don't like the B word much, but other than that, I don't or the C word. <laughs> but no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't either. But anyway, so back to my uh, grandmother speak. Uh, first gal, I think I met from <laughs> NFL female on Twitter, and uh, obviously that spurred a whole lot of you guys, ladies, and uh, I. Couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't thank you enough for opening me up to the to the world of NFL female because we've had so many of you had a chance to talk to so many of your ladies and they always they always hit it home they always they always bring bring us the goods and we we can't thank you enough for that and uh, obviously that's why we're well, having you're you back as well. Um, yeah, you're welcome. It's a great group yeah. of yeah, it's a great group of women. They're very proud to be associated. 
Uh, and just to tease, we have uh, one of your fellow partners in crime, uh, Sonia Greenfield, coming on next week as we talk about the NFC oh, yeah? uh, North. So. Yeah, Sonia. Yeah, she's awesome. She just joined me. Sonia just joined me on my new podcast this morning. She's fantastic. Yeah, she is. She's awesome. Anyway, let's get to your Titans here. Um, some rumors flying about Mariota this morning. Wrote these questions mm-hmm. last week. What are, What are you hearing? And uh, if they don't go Mariota, is this Mettenberg's job barring a total collapse? I think they like Zat and Mettenberger. Um, you know, I definitely think that they Zat Mettenberger showed promise last season for the Tennessee Titans. I think that they like him. Uh that the quarterback question seems to be the the you know, the big one, uh, obviously for the Tennessee Titans. Is Zat Mettenberger the guy? Will they um you know, they're sitting at number two of what they do obviously is going to depend upon what the Bucks do. It looks like the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to draft Jameis Winston. Um, they are also looking at Marcus Mariota. They are Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, not surprisingly, the top two quarterbacks in the NFL draft. Uh, could the Titans conceivable, conceivably draft a quarterback? Sure. I think that they – definitely could draft a quarterback. Uh, I think it also, they've shown a lot of interest in Leonard Williams. I tend to think that it's Leonard Williams, but I certainly wouldn't be shocked if it was uh, one of the quarterbacks. Yeah, there, you know, you guys have added very nicely to your defense so far this offseason. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Brian Arakbo could be huge. And so maybe maybe these rumors started swirling because of that that they you know they really had a nice focus during the free agency on the defense and now maybe they could you know choose the best athlete available there. But yeah, Leonard Williams is kind of a kind of a can't miss guy there. I think I'm not huge on any of the quarterbacks in this draft. Um, I think Mariota is actually better myself, but uh, we'll uh, maybe get to more of that later. Uh, Nick, any questions there for Sharona? Uh, yeah, Sharona, put yourself in the chair of the GM. If you were sitting there at number two, would you take either of these two quarterbacks or would you go with somebody like Leonard Williams? And I would take – oh, sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> just – sorry, and, uh, and just leave the job with Zach Mettenberger, who did play pretty well for being a late-round pick last year. I think you could go a number of different ways, and I wouldn't knock anyone for doing some – well, I mean – um, obviously, you could do stupid things too. If if you were uh, playing for ten GM for the Tennessee Titans and you opted to go with one of the quarterbacks, I wouldn't knock you too much for that. I can certainly understand that. Me personally, it, sitting in the GM chair, I would take either Leonard Williams or Amari Cooper. Um, the Tennessee Titans are not a very good football team right now for a number of reasons that um, we probably don't have time to talk about. I think that one of the best things that you can do for a young quarterback is surround him with a good football team with enough talent that will allow him to succeed. I don't know that the Tennessee Titans are there right now. We saw how Zach Mettenberger struggled last season. I don't think that he won a game as a starter for the Tennessee Titans. Um, and so, But it wasn't his fault. It wasn't necessarily his fault. Although, he, I mean, he made mistakes. You're going to expect that from a rookie quarterback, uh, from a young quarterback in general. Uh, so I think what I would do is continue to I, – I, I 
saw enough out as the pretend GM. I saw enough out of Zatt and Mettenberger that um, I want to see more. I, and and frankly, you know, if you're going if you're going to build a team, you have to know who you are and what you want to do. And Zatt and Mettenberger has a certain skill set. And um, if if you think that he has enough promise and enough talent, you want to surround him with talent that fits that skill set. I don't think that Marcus Mariota has the same skill set that Zach Mettenberger has. So if you draft him, you're here you've got two young guys. You're going to carry three quarterbacks because you can't afford not to have Charlie Whitehurst, who is your veteran guy. So I, what I would do is surround Zach Mettenberger with a better football team, and I would go with either Leonard Williams or um, Amari Cooper. Okay. Um, well, we can, you might fill out our draft talk before we get to it, but, uh, Bishop, Bishop Sankey, um, will, no, will he be a number one, number one running back for dynasty owners? And a number one back that we can be proud of. Sorry. I, I don't think so. Own him in a day. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had, I had Bishop Sankey on a fantasy football team last year. I think Bishop Sankey is extremely talented. I think that, um, Given the right pieces around him and the right opportunities, that he could definitely be that guy that you can rely on and depend on. Unfortunately, I don't think the history is there to support Bishop Sankey as a number one running back for for dynasty purposes or otherwise. If you go back and look at um, you know Ken Wisenhunt's offensive. Uh, philosophy and, and the way he's used his skill players in the past, um, you know, maybe he'll be a low tier uh, no, RB one. I uh, yeah, just uh, I think he's going to fall in that second tier. Okay. Yeah, that's. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. Look I, at it this way. Yeah, I mean, look at look at it this way. Look at what happened last season. I think Bishop Sankey maybe maybe average nine touches per game once he actually did start to get touches he wasn't even getting touches at the beginning of the season um you know once he started to get the touches he was only averaging 10 touches or less per game they weren't using him in the passing game Ken Wisenhunt uh, does seem to like veterans the the veteran whatever veteran running backs the Titans end up with um because there, you know there is a, the thought that Sean Green's not going to um, not going to last. Whatever whatever mix they they're going to have in in that backfield soup is it's not going to to produce, in my opinion, a a fantasy a number one running back fantasy option. Uh, do you think there's any chance they since this is kind of a running back heavy draft they grab they grab another young guy? Oh yeah, I, I absolutely do. Yes, I think that there is very much that possibility that they will go out and get a, another running back. I, it won't be at the number. Well, <laughs> I should never say never, right? I don't anticipate it being at the number two um, overall selection. But let's not forget they can also deal that pick if they have um, you know sufficient suitors, a suitor with enough a capital for them to to make that trade. And so they could certainly trade back. Uh, it's going to be interesting as just as an aside, it's going to be interesting if, if there is a number one 
a first round uh, running back selected uh, because we haven't seen that. We're seeing you know, there's been a lot of talk about the, the devaluation of the running back position. We haven't seen a running back selected in the first round. Was it was Trent Richardson the last guy? I think maybe so. <laughs> Don't hold me to that. Oh, but, but, what a but, perfect and, example. Yeah, and we <laughs> yeah exactly right. So um, you know, Bishop yeah. Sankey was selected. He was the first one taken last year, selected in the second round. I think it picked 45. Don't hold me to that. But so uh, I mean, that's uh, that's going to be to me one of the the things to look for in this draft. What does how how do running backs or how are they viewed and how how do they get selected? Because there are some fantastic running backs in this year's draft. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was hoping you were going to drop a name for me. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ones that I like. Um, yeah, I just, it, I think a lot of it depends on how the boards fall. You know, how teams draft. Last year, just using last year as, and there's always something weird, some, th- some weird things that happen. Let's look at last year, the way the top ten fell. I don't think anybody expected the top ten to fall the way that it did. and So it kind of threw a, a little kink into things. So I don't know. Um, there are a lot of guys that I like. Oh, uh, yeah, especially with the Raiders at the top ten. You never know what they're going to end up doing. Um, this is true. Nick, any any thoughts there? Well, the fact that uh, Sankey couldn't beat out Sean Green last year for more carries is a big red flag to me. But I know with uh, younger running backs, a lot of times the issue of them not getting more playing time is that they struggle in pass protection. Do you know was that an issue with Sankey last year? Yeah, he definitely needed to. We knew that, though, going into the season. Um, If you watched his college tape, if you paid any attention at all, you knew that. Uh, pass protection was an interest for. I would not put too much emphasis into Bishop Sankey's inability, so-called inability to not beat out Sean Green or Leon Washington. Frankly, um, the way the Titans handled their running back situation last year was befuddling to a lot of people, not just the person you're talking to. Um, a lot of people who are maybe a lot smarter and and better than I am. So I don't feel, you know, I really don't feel alone there. So um, I wouldn't put much stock there. Okay. Um, Justin Hunter emerged like the beast. We all know he should be. Time's ticking for Justin Hunter. You guys know that I am a Tennessee alum, a big Tennessee football fan. I followed Justin Hunter in his college career. He has not been the same player since his ACL tear. Um, and I think he was a sophomore when that happened. Uh, he 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 showed some progress, not nearly enough for, I think, for most people. Uh, I don't know what, what is going on in Justin Hunter's mind, what his, what his mindset is. I know that there were a lot of people inside the Titans organization who were trying to quote unquote toughen him up. Um, Bernard Pollard being one of them, of course, no longer with the Titans now, but it's, it's time. Justin Hunter has got, he absolutely has to step up this, um, this coming season and he's going to see competition. Uh, There's no doubt whatsoever in my mind, but that he's going to see competition. And if he isn't able to make that, 
to make that next step. Um, you know, it's, he's not going to be long, not just for the Titans, but for the league. Okay. Um, now, you, uh, you think, <laughs> excuse me, so right now we're looking at probably Hunter, Kendall Wright, and the newly signed uh, Harry Douglas um, as a possible <laughs> top top wide receiver. Then. Is that right? Yeah, I think that right now, I think that that's what you have to assume. Um, obviously, a lot can change between here and now. Um, but you said wide receiver, and let's not discount the fact that the Titans had one of the top tight ends um, in terms of receiving and fantasy, for fantasy football purposes in the league last year in Delaney Walker. Um, he led the team in targets. I think he led them in, in receiving yards, touchdowns, virtually every offensive category there is. Uh, he is going to continue to be uh, one of their uh, one of their main targets, I believe. Ken Wissenhunt is a uh, former yeah, tight end. Yeah, I mean, Ken Wissenhunt okay. is a former tight end. He uses tight ends, and they uh, uh, Malarkey is the tight end coach. Uh, and they just signed uh, Anthony Fasano. So it's fed to see multiple tight end sets, two, three tight end sets. So, yeah, I think you cannot discount the um, the use and the importance of the tight end in, in the Titans' offensive scheme. Uh, yeah, very very good point there. Um I think Delaney Walker, yeah, was a lot of it was pretty surprising for a lot of fantasy owners to see he was kind of looked at more of a blocking tight end. I think of his first couple of years in the league, but he's really emerged as a nice pass catcher. Um, shifting to your defense, there, Sonia uh, Derek Morgan's now been re-signed, uh, but you also have a couple aging guys, tacklers there, Michael Griffin, Wesley Woodyard. Um, does that do we? Does that mean Avery Williamson can become a hundred tackle guy there? And a building block for the future of this team. (laughs) Yeah, I really like Avery Williamson. Uh, I was big on Avery Williamson. Uh, Watched him play at Kentucky coming out in the draft. I thought the Titans, um, he was my MVP of that draft class. I thought the Titans got an absolute steal there. Um, And uh, he very quickly, you know, worked his way into the lineup and into the into a starting position and by mid-season three quarters of a way of the way into into the season he was wearing the defensive mic he's going to continue to be um the one of the cornerstones of of their defense i do believe that and um can he be uh, can he rack up that number of tackles? Well, I certainly hope he's going to have a lot of competition. <laughs> the Titans were a terrible tackling team last year, and they have been really for for several years now. They've got to get better. Okay. Any, any questions there, Nick? Uh, well, Josh mentioned that Wesley Woodyard's getting a little older now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, William, uh, Williamson was only a fifth-round pick last year. Do you think there's any chance that the Titans look in the first like three to four rounds for another middle linebacker to compete with those guys? I definitely think they're going to add more linebackers, yes. Um, they're not through, in my opinion, or they shouldn't be through at edge rusher. Um, you know, they they went out and got one of the – um, the better edge pass rushers, edge rushers uh, in free agency, and Brian Arakpo. There's a, a difference of opinion among you know NFL 
I want to say experts, pundits maybe, I don't know, people that you write about and talk about the, the NFL over whether Brian Arakpo was able to fulfill his potential with Washington. Um, but he's a Titan now. Sometimes a change of scenery can do a guy good. Uh, so uh, I, I do I like that signing, but I don't think that they should rely there. They've got to pick up. In my opinion, they need at least two more um, young edge rushers, and uh, they could certainly stand to to get you know, better depth at linebacker as well, middle linebacker as well. Okay, so we've kind of we've kind of hit on it quite a bit, but maybe maybe you could just name us a couple other maybe players that you potentially would like to see, or some other. Other 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 draft thoughts, maybe some late round thoughts, and places that they could add depth. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I haven't really. I've been. I used to do so much draft work, um, a lot of film study, a lot of film review. I've been really, really, really busy. I haven't had a chance to do as much draft work as you know as, as I would have wanted to. I, I should mention there is still a lot of talk that the the Titans might uh, end up with James Harrison who um has expressed his uh his desire you know perhaps to to come here and play for his old coach Dick LeBeau who is now and I'm going to try to get his title right um he is assistant head coach in charge of defense I believe is how they uh worded that terminology there, you know, between Dick LeBeau and Ray Horton, I think you have, you, you, you have some confidence that, um, you know, whatever later round guys or even undrafted free agent guys that they are able to, to pick up that, you know, they can work with them and, you know, possibly mold them into, you know, thought, maybe not, um, starters but solid rotational guys and and you know solid special teamers because that's what you really need um you know that's what you really need to have I have this discussion a lot how many players do you need to hit upon in 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 your draft and I think that if you can hit on it, assuming that you have at least all of your regular picks and maybe one or two you know compensatory picks which the Titans haven't had um, in a couple of years, I think. But uh, assuming that you have your regular stable of draft selections, you should be able to hit on three or four players that who are either starters or who are um, good uh, rotational guys, good role players, and who um, excel on special teams. And so, if, if you're able to do that, then then you're you're going to be successful building a team. Okay, very good point there. Well, Sharona, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no problem. And it's good, it's Sharona, uh, NFL female, SB Nation. You're kind of kind of a all over the place. And uh, why don't you tell everybody <laughs> before you head out where 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 uh, you have uh, where we can listen to your podcast. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Sports by Sharona. Uh, obviously, you can find me at NFL Female, uh, NFLfemale dot com. R- find me um, writing and doing a lot of other things at Pro Player Insiders. Uh, definitely be sure to check them out. Game over with Vash Die and Sharona every Friday morning, ten a.m. Central Standard Time, 
And um, I've got a new show. It's called Sharon. It airs every Monday and Wednesday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. So tune in to that. Um, it's pretty pretty raw. Pretty. It, the, the the title says what it what it is. It's unfiltered. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Sharon, and have a great day. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, Nick, we are going to push the Dynasty to Limit until after Julie, since she'll be on here in a couple minutes. Uh, I forgot to tease that earlier. We're going big time today as we do T.Y. Hilton versus DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that's going to be a whole lot of fun. I just hope Nick is ready. Uh, let's talk about Chris Borland here for one second. Um, now, obviously obviously a shock, and, you know, there's people saying this is going to hurt the NFL, I guess. What, what are your thoughts, Nick, and do you have any idea who's going to replace his IDP stats this year? Um, I do not know who's going to be who's next in line there at linebacker in San Francisco, getting pretty thin on the depth chart there. Uh, as far as thoughts on Borland's decision, though, I completely support his uh, his decision to walk away from the game. You know, he said he did a lot of research on the dangers of concussions, and I don't know if you've seen the uh, PBS Frontline documentary about it. Uh, it's on Netflix right now about concussions in the NFL, but pretty scary stuff if you really go in, in depth and look at uh look at the concussion problem. So I, I have no problem with him deciding to walk away. You know, he achieved what was probably a lifelong dream to go and play in the NFL, and he proved that he could compete at a high level with the best players in the world. So, you know, he probably felt like he had nothing left to prove and and everything to gain by walking away. So more power to him. Uh, yeah, it's I guess it's hard when you own him in a dynasty team. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – an interesting decision, and obviously you, you got to support him because he feels like he's doing it for himself. There's been a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of mixed feelings about this, but it's it's ultimately a decision he made for his own safety, so you really can't fault him there. Um, I did phone a friend. I actually emailed our IDP, uh, I don't know if you want to call him guru, wizard, genius, but anyway, Sean Kirby, who's just amazing. If you haven't read his stuff on Dynasty Football Warehouse, you need to do it because the guy is legit as they come. He just, I mean, amongst a couple of paragraphs that he wrote me back, he put down uh, their values in terms of these names. He thinks Navarro Bowman could bounce back. Uh, if they draft a middle linebacker, he could be the number two. Then they have Bethea, Carradine, uh, Will Hoyt, and uh, then Dockett, Ward, and Reed. So they certainly have Options there, and it depends on what you need. Uh, of course, that's uh, Jimmy Reed, Eric, excuse me, Jimmy Reed, Jimmy Ward, Eric Reed, Darnell Dockett, Tank Carradine, and then Bethea there, of course, to safety. So they ha- they certainly have options. You know, you kind of look towards those safeties when they seem to lose all these players in the middle. But uh, we'll we'll see how that works out. But uh, yeah, shocking news. I'm sure a lot of disappointed dynasty owners as well. I got uh, Julie on the line here. Julie, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Good. How, how are you doing today, Julie? It's Julie Voigt from NFL Female. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. We just had uh, Sharona on, and uh, as we always tell all you all you ladies over there at NFL Female, you always you always bring us bring us the goods and really really hit home with great knowledge about your respective teams. So. Uh, I'm not putting any pressure on you. I'm just I'm just letting you know why we have you on. Oh, well, 
bring it on. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, you are, like I said, the Colts fan reporter there over at NFL Female. You look like you made a couple moves in the free agency that could potentially be impactful. So you got Frank Gore and you got Andre Johnson now, but they're old, and will they provide the stability that this team needs to get further in the playoffs? Obviously, you've done better every single year. You just can't get over that that hump. Do you think you're there now? Well, first off, we got to change that old word. We that I think, honestly, we just get better with age, you know. Let's look at Andre Johnson. He's about to turn 34. He's already had seven Pro Bowl appearances. He's ninth all-time in receptions. He's 12th all-time in receiving yards. I think if you throw him in the mix with our young quarterback, Andrew Luck, and then with, of course, Dante Moncrief, T.Y. Hilton, I think he's really going to do fabulous, you know, with the O-line there. And then when you're adding in Frank Gore as well, he's also a five-time Pro Bowler. He tends Oh, well, actually, he hasn't missed a game since 2010. I think you add these guys in the mix, and just like you said, every year we're getting better, we're getting better. Give Andrew Luck those tools that he needs to build, and I guarantee you you're going to see a championship coming soon. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Nick, any thoughts there? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I love both those moves. You know, Frank Gore over four yards per carry every single season in the NFL, 4.3 yards a carry last year. He's a huge improvement over Trent Richardson. Uh, I was wondering, mm-hmm. though, does, do you think Richardson has any shot to be successful in Oakland? Well, I guess we will see. Um, I was actually probably one of the last people who were really supporting Richardson, you know, when he came about aboard last season or the season before that, I'm sorry. Um we were really pulling for him and then just seeing him fall piece by piece. And then at the end of last season, you know, to me, it was a letdown. I really wanted to see him do well. And here's the hoping he does well in Oakland. Um, hope he found his good fit. I hope he gets to, you know, start like he wants to start. And sometimes you just got to move a couple pieces before you get that right fit there. So hopefully he found the right fit. Well, as a Raiders fan, I guess I'm, I have mixed emotions about the deal, but I, I just kind of see it as as a depth move. I think uh, I think Latavius Murray is still going to be the number one there. Roy Halu is obviously mm-hmm. going to be the third down back. Um, and maybe, just maybe, the fact that Richardson is basically third on the depth chart, maybe that'll that'll be light, you know, light a, a fire under his uh, his butt and make him make him hustle a little bit more, make him work a little bit harder to get to get those carries. So, oh um, yeah, and I'm hoping like he Mar- does. You know, also like Marcel Reese a lot too. So there's a lot of running backs there on that team that that can contribute. So he's going to have to really stand out, I think, to get carries. Uh, so let's mm-hmm. back to your Colts. Have you? If you if you had to choose between Colby Fleener and Dwayne Allen being a bigger part of the future, who would it be? Well, I know I always have, you know, support for Dwayne Allen. I love the guy, you know, but got to go with Colby Fleener. He really, really stepped up last season, especially when um, Allen was, you know, injured. But just got to be careful because he, he tends to drop the ball a lot, especially when it's passed on to him. Um, of course, you know, last season he tied third in the league for touchdowns by a tight end. Um, I guess every player has his ups and downs, and 
you know, he he's going to get better with every season. You know, again, give him the tools along with Andrew Luck and all that, and I'm pretty sure he's going to do phenomenal next season. And here's the hoping he does. <laughs> Um, we're gonna actually we have more to talk about after Colts after after you get off as we we're gonna put uh, T.Y. Hilton excuse me against DeAndre Hopkins. But, uh, as I was researching that, I just noticed that the draft where they got T.Y. Hilton, he was the he was the third round pick. They also got mm-hmm. Dwayne Allen in that same third round. In the second round, they got Kobe Fleener. Oh, in the first round, they got this guy named Andrew Luck. I mean, that is granted the rest of the draft <laughs> didn't go that well, but that is value at the top of the draft. It's just amazing to me to mm-hmm. think about those four players were in one draft class. That's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yes, it is. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. since, since you probably watch more Colts than most people, um, what, what makes Andrew Luck so great? Speaking from a female point of view, we all love luck. Ladies love luck. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. You know, whether he's sporting that near, you know, which is my personal favorite, um, or he's, you know, got the baby face middle school mustache going on. Ladies love luck. So I'm just going to put that out <laughs> there. But, you know, of course, this young quarterback here, he's 25 years old. He's breaking records already. He already surpassed Peyton Manning's um, record last season, and I'm, he's doing a lot more than when Peyton was with the Colts, and he's just phenomenal. I mean, the guy all around, he's quick to admit fault. He's out there the next day correcting his mistakes. He's very humble. You know, he doesn't – it looks like he doesn't take compliments very well, but that's because he knows, you know, it's not just all about him. It's about his team. He's just this guy, you know, where did he come from? <laughs> this guy named Luck. And I just, I he's, he's got the tools. Just give him the tools. That's what I keep saying. Give him the tools. This kid's going to break records along with bringing a championship. And he's he's on fire right now. And he's only going to get better season to season. Yeah, I think you're probably looking for the word championships, actually. I think that's certainly, certainly a possibility there. There's going to be mm-hmm. hopefully multiples to come. Um, what, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts as far as um, – excuse me. Just, what are your thoughts as far as uh, the, the, the defense here? You got, you got Mike Adams. That was a big re-sign in terms, in, as far as I thought. But you have – Jaquel Jackson as well. They both had pretty good years last year. Um, Jarrell Freeman is really emerging as a solid tacker. Any, any thoughts about Freeman? Is he is he still getting better, you think? Yeah, I think within time, hopefully, you know, he'll start stepping it up next season. He had a great season last, you know, last season. Um, of course, he did have, you know, a little bit less tackles than he did last season um, than he did when he first signed on, but you know, with Jarrell Freeman, we we just got to I, – I think he really needs to be worked a little bit more, you know, just get him in the mix with the other ones, and hopefully this season he'll really shine. Um, that's what I'm hoping. And, I mean, honestly, when I think of Jarrell Freeman, I'm, I'm, I'm in a gray area. It's, you know, is you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to do good? Is he going to do bad? You know, personally, of course, as a fan, we want to see him do the best he can. But I, it, I just have that resist, 
resistant and that gray area. I just I'm I'm not confident with him as of yet. I'm hoping within this next season maybe he'll make a liar out of me and be, you know, explosive. <laughs> uh Nick, any any other questions there any thoughts? Um, so then do you think uh, they would bring in somebody to compete with Jarrell Freeman, maybe in the top three rounds in the draft? Yeah, I think they really should. I'm Definitely we need to work on that defense. You know, there's plenty of holes in there. So I'm, I'm hoping for the first round that we can pick up somebody in for the defensive line. We need to stop that line of scrimmage, especially on the third down, you know, we really need to step up on that defense. So any improvement to the defense would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, if you, you know, had the chance to really zero in and look at things, um, this team had a lot of free agents. And, and and maybe not a lot of names, but a lot of, a lot of free agents, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. So it, and it, just because they're not re-signing a whole bunch of names doesn't mean that they're – they're not going to have, uh, you know, they're still going to have those holes. And, you know, they're losing a lot of depth there. So they're going to – I wouldn't be surprised to see if they maybe trade to trade back in a couple of rounds, a couple of rounds into the draft to maybe get some more picks because they certainly have some some needs there. Um, do you – have you heard any thoughts about uh, Duran Carter? I know he was kind of somewhat of a big signing, but now Andre Johnson's in town. Where, 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 where are they at with him right now? Well, um Let's see. <laughs> you know, I haven't heard much of on regarding anything else other than, you know, what we should be getting regarding on the draft. And in my opinion, I think that's what we really should look for. It's just like you said, we have all these experienced players now in our, you know, on team from free agency. We need to start looking at the more younger, you know, the ones that are going to be here for quite a while. So, you know, as far as free agency, as of what I've heard, I'm pretty quiet on our end for now. So hopefully building up for better things. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any any other uh, any other draft thoughts? Maybe like uh, you know, see what they're going to do in the first round. Kind of their top priority there at all? Or? Yeah, definitely look at that defense, and hopefully within the second round as well. We need to pal someone up with Mike Adams, you know, for a safety. That those two those two holes right there are huge. We need to. To look at that, especially. Okay. Do um, you think there's any chance of them bringing uh, Dan Heron back? I would love for that to, to happen. <laughs> um, there's so many players I wish we could bring back, and that would be kind of you know biased for me to say, but yeah, I, I, they should really hopefully look into that. <laughs> Okay. Uh, any other questions there for Nick? Uh, yeah. Do you think the uh, return of Robert Mathis is going to provide a nice boost to the pass rush there, or do you think they still need to go after more pass rushers? I think they need to go through more pass rushers. You know, um, definitely we love Robert. You know, I'm hoping for, you know, him coming back as strong as he was last season before he had gotten, you know, suspended and injured. But, yeah, we, you know, we're putting all these other players aside that were injured and didn't play much, and they should really rebuild up on that as well. 
Well, Julie, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Again, it's Julie Voigt, uh, NFL female. Um, Colt fan reporter, excuse me. Go there and uh, check out your work. You can also find uh, Julie on Twitter. Her and uh, Sharona's names will both be uh, linked to their Twitter page in this uh, write-up, which will be either posted tonight or tomorrow morning. Thank you, Julie, for joining us. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Have a good day, and good luck to your Colts. All right, Nick. Well, time. You know, typically in the last few weeks we've done the Dynasty Dilemma, and it's kind of been about uh, uh, some fringe players, if you will, some guys that maybe are going to win the job or some, some, you know, some bigger, big ones, big names. You know, the biggest one we've probably had so far is Brandy Cooks versus Keenan Allen. Obviously they got a little bit bigger after the Jimmy Graham trade and the Kenny Stills trade, might I add. Um We'll get to some more trade talk later and some dynasty trade talk as well. But um, this one, we're really going big time here. It's T.Y. Hilton versus DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I chose T.Y. in a bit of a surprise move because I have an angle. But let's just listen to some music to get pumped up here, and then we'll get on it. What do you think? That's my Dynasty Dilemma clip, Nick. Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, okay. So, just so we're clear, I absolutely love DeAndre Hopkins. In case you haven't heard me express my love or haven't listened to my other podcast that we, that me and Nick did on Roto Rob, love this guy. Loved him since the moment he was drafted. Love him, love him, love him. But the main reason I have have not chosen him today is because well of Andre Johnson frankly Andre Johnson was his wingman there in in Houston now he's protecting my guy T.Y. up there in Indianapolis interesting move Andre Johnson staying in the division to go another team to go to another team but I think it only will benefit T.Y. and I gotta say my argument was going to be a lot stronger until the Texans had to go and sign Cecil Shorts because I love that guy but anyway that's the pairing now. That's the top pairing in Indianapolis. It's T.Y. and Andre Johnson. T.Y., advantage T.Y. Uh, not to mention he has Kobe, Fleener, Dwayne Allen. Oh, and a guy named Andrew Luck throwing the ball. Um, I know there's a lot of mouths to feed, but T.Y. is going to be the man over the middle, be the, be the heavy hitter. He's going to be the go-to guy. I think he's still the number one option. You know, Maybe him and Andre are 1.5 right now. wide receiver 1.5 right now, but I think he is going to be the guy that gets them over the hump in games. I think you're going to see Andre Johnson take more, a little more of a possession, a little bit of Mason kind of role, you know, the nine to 12 yard reception, move the sticks. But I think the guy that's going to find the end zone, the guy that's going to hit those 30 yard outs is going to be T.Y. Currently DeAndre Hopkins is the wide receiver one. They did sign Cecil Shorts, another guy that I actually really like. Uh, but who else do they have? C.J. Fedorowicz, Demarius Johnson. There's like 12 catches between the two of those guys there last year. Oh, and who is the Texans quarterback, Nick? 
Tom Savage, Ryan Mallett, Brian Hoyer. What do you got for him? Well, you know, I do like T.Y. Hilton a lot. You look at his stats that improved each of his three years in the league, went from 50 catches, 860 yards, and seven touchdowns his rookie year, up to 82 catches, 1,080 yards, and five scores, and then 82 catches, 1,345 yards, and seven scores last year. But T.Y. Hilton's so boomer bust, being the deep threat type of receiver he is. Uh, you look at his two games against New England, including the playoff loss, he only had four catches in those two games total. And he's going to have so much competition for targets there. Andre Johnson, uh, Frank Gore has 342 catches in his career. He can provide a, another weapon out of the backfield. The two tight ends, Dwayne Allen, Kobe Fleener, uh, up-and-coming wide receiver, Dante Moncrief, uh, Dan Heron, if he's back, he caught 21 of his 26 targets last year. Like you said, there's just so many mouths to feed there in Indy. But DeAndre Hopkins is the only man in town for Houston. Cecil Shorts, wide receiver number two, he's an upgrade uh, there from what they had after losing Johnson. But, you know, he's never had a 1,000 yards in his career. He's 28 years old. He's been hurt a lot. Plus, he's got a four-game suspension under his belt. So it's hard to trust Shorts there. Uh, Hopkins, his stats went from 52 catches, 800 yards, and two scores as a rookie to 76 catches, 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns last year. And that was with very subpar quarterbacks. You know, if Ryan Mallett can even be a little bit of an upgrade there, Hopkins could see 14, 1,500 yards easily. Plus, I like the six foot one size over a five foot nine Hilton. You know, he's uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a lot more of a red zone threat, in my opinion. Oh, very, very good point there. Uh, it's, it's hard because I like both of these players so much. But uh, if you want to go to Dynasty Football Warehouse right now, DynastyFootballWarehouse.com right now, and vote on who you think won that argument or just who you really like, you can certainly go do that. So we're going to be putting our Dynasty dilemmas up there all off season. So make sure you go out, go over there to DFW and uh, vote. And Nick, I want to say, well played. But, you know, it's not going to take me much convincing to get into get into DeAndre, but uh, you make you make very good points. Um, I just could potentially see a lot of a lot of double teaming on DeAndre and make Cecil Shorts beat you type of thing. So, any any thoughts there? Well, I think you know, even though Andre Johnson was considered the wide receiver one in Houston last year, I think teams probably paid more attention to the uh, at this point in their careers more athletic DeAndre Hopkins last year, so he probably got some experience with the double teams, I would guess. Okay. Um, well, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis here. Um, a couple trades, you know, as we t- as we talk about these these trades that happened during the off season here in a and our home D- leagues here, D- DFW 48 and 36, you know, it seems like every day these trades happen. You know, you can talk about it one day, and then moves happen, and then they, they change and whatnot. And, you know, a lot, a lot of things change as these trades, obviously. And I saw Chris Borland get traded a couple weeks ago, um, and we know what happened there. But uh, Darren McFadden, I believe this trade happened before he signed with Dallas. Uh, somebody gave up Darren McFadden and uh, pick 3.32 for John Brown and pick 4.20. Any thoughts there, Nick? Uh, I like the side that sold on Darren McFadden. He's, I know he's probably penciled in as the running back number one there in Dallas right now, but he's just been so hard to trust throughout his whole career, whereas I really like the upside of John Brown. Maybe not so much this year with Larry Fitzgerald still there, but I think potentially long, long-term long John Brown is definitely a, a win in that trade, and, and especially the fact that uh, 
uh, getting a fourth round pick to to in return there. Yeah, most definitely. They gave up a they gave up McFadden in the third to get John Brown in the fourth. I think that's a that's a pretty fair deal there. I, you know, McFadden last year was the first year he's ever played all sixteen games, and he hadn't played in more than thirteen since then or before that. But uh, we know if he's the starter, there is no way he's playing in all sixteen games. He's going to have turf toe, and he's going to miss for some reason too. When that guy gets hurt, he it's what takes the normal running back or athlete, football player, whatever you want to say, what takes them a normal two weeks to recover? It seems like it takes McFadden a month to recover. And as a Raiders fan, I can tell you I suffered through many McFadden injuries. So I I feel and know what I'm talking about there. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I like the John Brown side. Obviously, you know, McFadden could have a great year. We we don't know. If, 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 if Dallas maybe has like an actual – trainer on staff and he actually comes to the uh comes to the start of the season really physically in shape and prepared uh that that could be a, that could be a different thing you know short term maybe McFadden wins this but I think long term like Nick said uh, you're going to be really happy there with John Brown I like adding the receiver depth you can never have enough receivers okay somebody okay we have a lot of picks going on there a lot of picks going on here somebody gave up Woo. pick 1.33 Pick 2.18, and then some picks from 2016, a second rounder, uh, two second round picks from 2016 for Jeremy Macklin and the third round pick this year. So two, one first, three seconds, one second this year, two seconds next year for Jeremy Macklin and pick 3.9. Now, I hope this trade was made before he signed to Philadelphia. What do you think, Nick? Or signed to yeah, Kansas like- City, excuse me. Yeah, like you said, if this trade was made after uh, the Kansas City signing of Jeremy Macklin, then terrible. Um, Obviously, I think he's having some buyer's remorse there, giving up a first and three seconds for Jeremy Macklin and a third. That's a pretty steep price for a Kansas City receiver. Well, and to me, too, this seems like a whole lot to give up for a guy that, granted, had an awesome year last year, but totally shredded his knee a couple years ago. I mean, this isn't a. I mean, I don't know receivers have a longer shelf life, but this isn't a. This isn't a second year guy that has a lot of potential. This is a guy that's in his, you know entering his fifth, fifth maybe sixth season. I'm, I think it's either fourth. I don't know. He's he's had a few years and he's missed an entire season with a catastrophic knee injury. So that seems like a whole lot to give up for this guy. And maybe maybe this guy thought Macklin was going to to. Uh, I don't know, New England or or someplace where they were going to really feed in the ball. It seems like a lot to give up for Max. But that's that's the risk you take when you're making trades right now during the three agency period. Uh, DFW 36 trades. I'm going to give up Martellus Bennett and Ryan Shazier for 2015 second-round pick, 2.25, and a 2015 second-round pick, 2.33. Any thoughts there, Nick? Well, I'm assuming the team that acquired the players uh, was probably uh, loading up for a run this year. Uh, Martellus Bennett, I like his value now with uh, with Brandon Marshall out of town. He could be in line to see more targets there in Chicago. And Ryan Shazier, nice up-and-coming linebacker. So for a couple of second-round picks, I think that's a good deal. Yeah, I'm a big Martellus Bennett fan as well. I, I think, you know, when the season's – and in kind of the smoke settles, we talk about all the guys that maybe outperformed 
or, or did really well. The guys, you know, the Gronk returning to form, Jimmy Graham kind of took you a step back. But Martellus Bennett kind of gets lost in that shuffle. And, um, you know, he's a very athletic tight end. Obviously, the athletic, the tight ends that are producing right now, fantasy wise, are athletic guys. But he, you know, he's a big cat. He's a former basketball player like, like Julius Thomas and Antonio Gates. And he just gets it done. He's a great red zone target. And like you said, with Brandon Marshall out of the picture, you know, kind of a huge friend of Jay Cutler and a guy that he's been able to rely on, Elshon Jeffrey, who's also there. Uh, but, uh, you know, Cutler might be a little more familiar with Butler and a little more uh, more trusting. Uh, both, you know, both Jeffrey and, excuse me, both Jeffrey and Bennett are awesome in, in the red zone. So I, I really like that there. And you're getting an up-and-comer and, and uh, Shazier, who a lot of people are really excited about. Um, and you're giving up two picks. I mean, who, who are you? You're not going to get these these caliber players that are ready to compete with those two picks. That's certainly the case there. All right, last trade here, Nick. Uh, Arian Foster, Ryan Tannehill, Golden Tate, pick 5.18 and pick 7.18 for pick 1.33 and pick 2.04. couple first and second rounders for Tannehill, Foster, Tate, fifth and seventh rounder. What do you think? Uh, I like the side that acquired the two early draft picks. You know, Ryan Tannehill, he's not a bad quarterback, but he's definitely replaceable in, in uh, fantasy formats. And Arian Foster, you know, is an aging running back. You never know when he's going to hit that wall. So it, it, acquiring a first, a late first and early second round pick, I, I like that trade. Yeah, I think, you know, in a dynasty format, if you're getting – Regardless of the other players involved, if you're getting a first-round pick back in a deal for an aging running back, you're doing pretty well. It's not not something I would recommend doing is trading a first-round pick for that. Um, you know, that guy could like like we talked about with the other trade could be loading up for a run there. Tannehill is a replaceable guy, like you said. You know, if you're looking at pick 2.04 there. Um, you know, you could be looking at the Mariota, the Winston territory, Brett Hundley, if you want to go with him that early. You could potentially be get a guy that's Tannehill, that's going to be Tannehill-esque, at least producing those numbers. Tannehill is a young quarterback. He's getting better. He potentially has, you know, 10 years left in this league. But, you know, you're also getting that, that first-round pick, too, where you could potentially land, you know, uh, somebody big. So you're getting some pretty getting some pretty decent value there. With, the, with those picks there. So I like, I'm kind of on Nick's side there too. So Carlos is going to be joining us in a couple minutes here. Um, what's, uh, I am sorry. I'm a little under the weather today, if you can't tell. Um, do you have just a couple minutes that you could maybe pontificate on Trent Richardson to Oakland, Nick? What do you think? Well, it's a pretty much a, it's a low-risk uh, signing for Oakland. You know, he's a guy who at one time was the number three overall pick in the NFL draft. So he, the talent is supposedly there. It, it, it didn't show it much in Cleveland or Indianapolis. But uh, like Julie said, maybe it was just a scheme problem. Maybe Oakland's got a system that will fit his style of running better. It just didn't really look like he's got the vision that it takes to succeed at running back in the NFL in the time he's played so far. But, you know, maybe maybe he'll grow into it, or like you've said before, you know, maybe being third on the depth chart will light a fire under him and get him to work a little harder. You know, we hope he can succeed, but I'm, I, I think I'm, I'll still be uh, making him one of my five cuts in our dynasty league. 
Aw, all right. Um, yeah, that's uh, like I said earlier. I think it's a move made for depth, and really, that's it. I think they are so ready to give this, give Latavius Murray the reins. Uh, the more I read, that's that's really the case. You got Roy Halu who can, you know, really contribute on third down, but you can potentially put both of those guys in the backfield if you wanna, you know, if you wanna keep things, keep the defense honest because you got. Murray, who can also catch, but do some really good damage up the middle of the field. Halu is such such a great edge player. Uh, Trent Richardson basically is going to be kind of kind of the odd man out. Maybe I see potential, you know, goal line carries, but you got to hit the hole really fast, really fast, and really hard on those goal line carries and those third and ones. So I, I. I don't, I don't really understand the move personally, especially because he's that first, you know, he's that first round guy. He's making three point nine million dollars, something like that. Some, at least that's guaranteed. <laughs> Potentially eight million if he stays there next year. It's, it's friendly if they want to cut him next year and they're not going to be on the hook for anything. Um, it's a depth move, like I said, and and uh, with with Musgrave and Del Rio, a couple of guys that. Uh, you know, were part of the Fred Taylor success and also injuries in Jacksonville. Uh, they, I think, they understand that you got to have depth all over the place. And to add a veteran guy, you know, at at it, it's 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 a decent price. It seems like a lot for him, but it is a decent price for a guy with his amount of experience. So they certainly have a have have him there to provide depth. So I got Carlos on the line here. Let's patch him through. Hello, Carlos, are you there? Yeah, I'm hey, good. I'm, I'm here, buddy. How's everything? Carl. I'm good. I can't complain. All right. How are you? Uh, good. It's Carliff Taylor, Southern Connecticut State University Owls. Now, Carliff, looks like you're listed at every defensive line position. But you're also says that you can play right guard. You want to expound on that a little bit for us? Um, yeah, actually, um, when I went to my national bowl game in Miami at FIU Stadium, uh, unfortunately – uh, it was only, I think, out of the six of offensive linemen, I think two of them got hurt and uh, during the game. So before, so when we were practicing prior to the game, they had me playing a little right guard. But uh, I had a few pancakes, and uh, I didn't let up any sacks. So I played most of the game, at least 75% of the game I had to play O-line. So I felt like I felt like that could be a good little uh, showing for me, like showing that I'm versatile and I can uh, play both sides of the ball. Do you uh you think your uh, obviously your defensive skill set probably helped you? You kind of knew what what the moves guys are going to put on you there at right guard. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, simple things by the way a person is leaning, or just simple counters for people's like if you was a club or if it was a simple counters because I'm the one usually dishing it out. So I kind of got to like it was kind of playing defense while on offense. So I'm sitting there seeing it coming, but I'm able to block it better because. I'm used to those kind of things, so I definitely felt like it helped me tremendously. So with that experience, you could probably be a, a blocking tight end on goal line, and maybe 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 even a fullback there, so you can just really open the holes or take that take that quick hit and score a touchdown there. Right? You ready for that too, if needed? Yeah, I mean, if anything could get me in, or if it could help the team to win, I'm I'm down for it. Okay. Uh, Nick, any questions right off the bat there for Carlos? 
Uh, yeah, scouts are going to love that you've got two years' experience both in the 3-4 and in the 4-3 defense. I was wondering uh, which defense do you prefer and what position on the defensive line feels most natural to you? Uh, I, I honestly prefer the 3-4, and anywhere from that 0 to the 3-shade uh, is really at home for me because of my physicality. I really just like – I just I really like clogging up the whole stuff in the run, collapsing the pocket. I really – that's really my save zone for me. I'm really I'm real big on physicality, and that's where I get to do more so of that than playing outside like the four and the five shades, where it's more kind of like technique and finesse and everything. And I'm just I'm more of a brute guy, if anything. So I do prefer playing the nose. Okay. Um, what is that? Uh, your your t- is your division two? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so. Uh, have you you you've had the pro day right, Rutgers? Yep. Is that correct? Yes. How, yep, how did that, that go correct. for you? That was a it was beautiful. How did that go it was for great, it was a, it was a great experience. Like I was blessed. I mean, it, it's hard to get, it was hard to get in, but uh, I want to also thank once again uh thank the whole Rutgers uh football U- university, and I also want to thank Coach Cal Flood for uh, making that possible because um all thirty two teams were there, so I really got a good chance to showcase myself. And uh, it's kind of tricky. I only have two of my numbers due to the fact that uh, the scouts aren't, aren't able to tell you the numbers, but uh, one of my agents was able to, to just scout, and they got me uh, for 30 reps for the bench and uh, 5 140. Okay. Um, do you uh... – do you have? Did you talk to any teams there? Was there any conversations? I know. I know you have have an agent now too. Is there? Have you heard anything about anybody that's been maybe asking some some questions about you? Yeah, actually, uh, two days ago, I spoke to a Giants and a Jets uh, scout that was there, and they both invited me uh, to, I guess, like an individual workout or a pro day at uh, both the Giants and Jets facility coming up in April. Okay. Do they maybe possibly talking like a like a day three, maybe sixth, seventh round type of thing? If that, I mean, I, I don't know if they expound on that at all. Or have you heard anything um, in that frame? I mean, uh, as far as far as that, I really I really can't call it. I mean, I did speak to them; they did sound interested. And I just I definitely think that if I do excellent, whatever, whatever they test me in, I feel like that will definitely increase my chances. But um, I was speaking to my agent; and he was saying uh. I mean, coming out of small school, but what, but with the um, performance that I did do at Rutgers, it is a, it's a, a bigger possibility of me getting drafted, like in the later rounds. Okay. Now, do you are maybe do you consider yourself, or have you heard that as far as what people want to use you for? Are you more of like a a run stuffer? Or are you gonna are you gonna be a guy that's gonna break the line and make those make those plays in the backfield? I mean, I, I honestly, uh, if, you, if anybody didn't get to see my highlights, if you Google my name and type "huddle" after it, I, I live in the backfield. That's kind of like I, I, really, I kind of don't, I don't consider it a play made if it's not in the backfield. Honestly, in my opinion, but um, I mean, so far the teams that have been interested were like uh, the Patriots, the Redskins, Falcons, the Dolphins, the Rams. So it's it kind of like varies. A lot of them. All four three and a few or three four, but depending on wherever I go, I could have easily just change my physique and my playing style to that due to the fact that I have been playing 
two years, and it was it was exactly a year each. Every year it was different from a three four four three three four four three, so I'll be able to change with that, and it wouldn't be much of a hassle for me. Okay, Nick, any questions? Yeah, you know I've I've heard some um, from experts that uh, a player is better off being undrafted as opposed to being a late round pick, just so they can pick the situation that they feel is the best fit for them. Would you agree with that statement, or would you rather hear your name called there in the later rounds? I mean, as a, as a, as a kid, you always dream of being called in, just to be in the mix. But honestly, um, just coming from a smaller school and just being told that you can't do this or you can't do that, I just kind of want to prove people wrong. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a chip on my shoulder uh, about being drafted. But either way, a uh, fair shot, and I'll prove myself. I know talking there's a lot of talking and political things going on when you think about football and being drafted and being marketed, but I know if I get my chance, then I'll stay in as long as I can. So my main focus is just to uh, get a chance. So whether I'm drafted or not, it won't kill my spirits. Um, I'm trying to. I mean, of course, I know everybody is, but it won't kill my spirits. It'll just, I'll consider it as more fuel in the fire just to, to stay on and dominate as much as I can. Has there has there been another NFL player from your university? Uh, yes, actually, um, it was uh, I would say two was drafted from my university, and uh, I have two players that uh, that played with me during my four years here that are both on uh, 53 rosters. One is on the Giants, Jerome Cunningham. He just made the roster this year for the Giants at tight end, and the other one is um, Ike Igbenos, and he just made the 53 for the Jaguars, and he's a DN. Okay. Cool. Um, what's uh, as far as I don't know if you're probably not. I know you're probably just trying to hit, put your head down and do your thing. But what what's gonna make you maybe stand out from some of the other guys, kind of in your general ranking there amongst prospects? What's gonna make you stand out? Uh, my feet. I feel like I move. I move like a ballerina, man. It's like uh, I was. <laughs> I mean, before I was playing football, I was heavily into dancing I was heavily into playing basketball so and and you know I'm from New York so basketball especially street ball is very it was very competitive and you always wanted to be and I always like to be the best at whatever I do or at least be the best me it's not always about being the best it's always being the best you so every day if I improve it's a milestone for me I, I usually don't look at others I usually don't compare myself to others I usually compare myself to my prior self, if that makes sense. So I always try to be the best me. So, like, I carry that on to football. So that's, that kind of helped me able to format things better and faster when it came to, like, doing certain things. But, I mean, my feet, if you uh, actually they uh, do, um, the dude that owns the NFL NFLDraftBible.com, he posted uh, some, uh, foot, um, some footwork and jelly drills that we did at Rutgers. If you type in Rutgers Pro Day 2015 and – I mean, kind of like the video shows for itself. I, I feel like I move very well, and more so with speed. I'm also very quick and very agile for my size. When you're thinking about a nose tackle, and I feel like automatically that's going to make me stand out because when it comes to change, change of directions and just quick, sudden changes and stuff, I, it's almost like a natural reflex for me at this time now. Okay. Uh, Nick, any further questions there? 
Well, you, you spent years preparing and training yourself to be a football player. So I was wondering if it was tough transitioning to more of like a track and field style training for to get ready to the, for the pro day drills, or was that pretty similar as far as workouts that you did? I am not going to lie. That is a beautiful question. But um, it was very difficult. Uh, I mean, it, it was very, very difficult because one thing about it is like, I mean, when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with like athletes that's trying to get to the next level, or people that just heavy com- like heavy competitors, you always want you always want to get things down pat. You never want to feel like, especially I'm I'm training with dudes that's already like high, highly projected and everything, and it's and it's hard it's hard to swallow when you don't get things down packed and you're usually being the best at what you are or one of the best, and it's like learn starting over from scratch. So it was very hard, but like. I tried. Uh, I kept a cool head for the most part. Always just was willing to learn. And then after practice or after our training, I would try to get the things down myself, or I would, or I would study online, or go to YouTube, or kind of just film myself and study, break it down myself, and then always talk to the trainer. You just have to keep a level head because you have to understand everything is new. Now you have to just like you said, change your mindset to like a track athlete. Where it's just the little things like keeping your keeping your shin angles positive, keeping your toe up pushing under the hip for more to generate more power. It's a simple thing. But when it's new, when it's when you're learning something new in a little amount of time it can't get frustrating. But at the same time the best thing is always just to keep a level head. But I'm I can't lie to you, for a while it, it did get frustrating. All right. Well I, I've watched the film and, and you, you certainly are tenacious and I and I think if if somebody's needing needing your position there in those in those late rounds, I, I would wouldn't hesitate to to jump on you. I, I'm not, I'm not a. I don't I don't work for an NFL team, but I think you I think you got what it takes, and and we wish you all the luck in the world. Thanks for joining us, Carla. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking out the time and just for even uh, acknowledging me, man. I came. Uh, it's been a rough journey, but um, I appreciate you and everybody else who helped me in, in every single aspect. Okay, well keep keep fighting, and then uh, keep your head up and. When you when you make that Pro Bowl, you come back and talk to us, all right, buddy? Will do. God bless, brother, and you, you guys enjoy your day. All right. All right. You too, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. All right. Certainly uh, a bright and motivated young man there, Carlos Taylor. Uh, I I think we're going to see his name called, Nick. Uh, great question there about uh, maybe not or not get drafted. What's the advantages? But, uh I think we're going to see his name called. I think he's got a little bit of a buzz around him. He's, I like the versatility, like you said, with the four three and the three four. Um, actually, I did see a little film of him playing offensive line, so he's got that too. I don't think any teams are going to maybe, uh, you know, make him play both ways. They're obviously going to hopefully keep him on the defensive side of the ball, but he's he's got a lot. He's got a lot of talent and uh, six two three fifteen. Can play defensive tackle or nose tackle, Carlos Taylor. So make sure you check him out, Carlos Taylor. Uh, like you said, you can Google Rutgers Pro Day or you can just Google his name, uh, Southern Connecticut State University, the Owls there up in uh, up in Connecticut. So make sure you check that out. Um, let's move to questions from the fourth. Oh, I am sorry, folks. Like I said, not not feeling the greatest today. Little little hay fever and whatnot, but uh, we're getting through it. And uh, sorry if I'm making too much extra noise here. 
Um, let's get to questions from the forum. Sorry. Just uh, just a couple here, Nick. Uh, a couple trade questions. Uh, what do you think? Is this a fair deal? 10-team PPR league. I give up Adrian Peterson in the first overall pick and get DeMarco Murray. Obviously, there's a lot to be decided about Adrian Peterson and what's going to happen with him next year. What are your thoughts there? Well, that's a lot to give up. Obviously, this would be a uh, loading to win a championship right now if you're giving up the first overall pick and AP for DeMarco Murray. I, I, I would hate that trade long-term, but I guess if you're trying to win it all this year, then then it's okay. Uh, I still probably wouldn't do it, though. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're you're willing to gamble on what's actually going to happen with uh, with AP, it's it's certainly uh, it's certainly uh, I guess worth worth the gamble if you think he's going to end up uh, end up somewhere. But uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's an odd trade. I don't know if I would feel comfortable uh, making it. That's um, I would probably you know I don't know. It's it's a it's a hard call. I don't know what exactly I would. I would do there because it's like I said, it's just an odd, an odd, an odd pairing. You don't want to necessarily uh, put yourself out in that in that capacity. But uh, you are getting Demarco Murray back, but you're giving up you're giving up that first overall pick. So I mean, if you have Demarco and you get that first overall pick, you can certainly spend that you know on on a wide receiver or or, or somebody to that that effect. You know, Des Bryant. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, if you want to go running back heavy right away, um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's an interesting call there. But anyway, um, moving on, looking to trade Carlos Hyde and Torrey Smith to upgrade a wide receiver. Who are some wide receivers I should try to get with this kind of value? Any thoughts there? Uh, well, you look at your at the DSW rankings right now. Hyde's ranked the number seven running back. Torrey Smith, the number thirty-seven wide receiver. I, I I doubt that Hyde is proven enough to be able to get a top ten wide receiver, but I bet you could get somebody in like the twelve to seventeen range. Uh, that includes some names like Sammy Watkins, Kelvin Benjamin, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I probably wouldn't make the trade for Brandon Marshall. He's in that range. But uh, DeAndre Hopkins or Jordan Matthews, I think any of those guys uh, you could probably get. And you know you might as well at least throw out a couple offers for top 10 guys like Mike Evans at number nine, Odell Beckham at seven. You probably won't get them, but it's worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you could get an Odell Beckham, but you know, maybe people, the T Y Hilton owner is feeling a little, a little pressure with Andre Johnson in town. Maybe that's, that's a possibility or even Andre Johnson. I, I know he's going really late in drafts. I have, I happen to get him in a mock draft, couple days after he signed with Indy and I think I don't know if people just forgot about him but he was really low ranked on MLS obviously we're doing dynasty style mock drafts so people aren't going to be jumping on a 30 soon to be 34 year old wide receiver early and that type of thing but uh um you know if you if you like um if you want to really gamble I could consider like Jordan you know if somebody's got Jordan Matthews Martavius Bryant and like Jarvis Landry, if you want to go that route, or, you know, if you can flip maybe Kenny, uh, um, excuse me, Torrey Smith in a later round pick, Kenny Stills, that might be okay. Um, I, you know, There's a lot of questions in San Francisco, but I really like Torrey and the speed that he brings to that offense. Um, 
if you look when Michael Crabtree was really successful there with Kaepernick back in the day, um, it's because he was feeding Crabtree the ball. And I think Torrey has the speed to get open downfield. And they got Bolden on the other side. I, I, I like that pairing there. I like their offense. Their defense has a lot of questions. But, uh, you know, Kaepernick's got doing the training there with Kurt Warner. I know there's a lot of questions, a whole new coaching staff, a lot of player turnover. But I, I think Kaepernick – could could certainly be a, a a better player this year, and with the speed there, I like that. So maybe maybe if you want to, you know, if you don't get anything, I think you could certainly hold tight there because you do have a guy that's going to get the opportunity to be a number one guy there in Carlos Hyde and potential uh, potential of Torrey Smith to get you know maybe not a thousand yards, but certainly you know eight ten touchdowns there in that offense. So. Just wrote a San Francisco team review for DFW, so I'm, I'm really, really into the San Francisco and what they got going on. Uh, offense only, obviously. I didn't too early to plug into that defense because there's yeah, a, lot, a lot of things going on there. Okay, another trade here. Forte, uh, Kadeem Carey, and Jordan Matthews, Le'Veon Bell. Would you give up that, the player that's giving that up? Or excuse me, the player that's giving up Forte, Carey, and Matthews would have McCoy, Bell, uh, Devontae Freeman, and Geo as their running backs. And they start one to two. They also have Demarius Thomas, Antonio Brown, Kelvin Benjamin, Allen Robinson, Marquise Wilson, and Garcon as their wide receivers. What do you, what do you think there, Nick? I would really like this trade, especially given what he already has on his team. Uh, having Demarius Thomas, Antonio Brown, Kelvin Benjamin, so you've already got three stud receivers. So Jordan Matthews, he's kind of, you know, he was just providing depth for you anyway. Matt Forte is getting older. Uh, Kadeem Carey was good in college, but he's still kind of unknown at the pro level. And in return for probably the number one running back in dynasty terms and being able to pair him along with McCoy, uh, if you're set at quarterback and tight end too, that's a great chance for a championship this year. Yeah, I think if you're getting – Forte, older, Kadeem Carey. I just, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be their next running back there. I just, I, not that we we had a huge a huge sample of him last year, but I just don't, I don't see it. I, I liked him going into the draft, and I thought he he was a great pick for that team. But I haven't seen anything yet to where I'm, I say he's going to be their 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 guy next year. So uh, I would. Uh, you know, if you have an opportunity to get rid of him as a handcuff for Forte, you are giving up Matthews. But um, I think Le'Veon Bell certainly proved a lot a lot of people wrong in that fact. I know he's coming off an injury too, but you know it's it's a hard call because you're giving up a couple. You know, a great running back who Forte. You do wonder how long he can keep this up. And uh, Jordan Matthews certainly has has a future. And Philly hasn't been no, linked to any other wide receivers out there. And they recently so Matthews could be the number one guy there so I'm not not crazy about it but you do have Demarius Thomas Antonio Brown and Calvin Benjamin who cares who else you have after that I mean you're you're giving up Matthews so I I think you're it's a it's a safe play and you're getting a marquee player there and uh and Le'Veon Bell so um moving on to a little something that we like to call Nick Rants. It's where I give my co-host Nick the floor to kind of rant about the I put it down just a little bit here. Um, but anyway, Nick, 
what do you got for us this week? Well, this week I'm talking about Chip Kelly, and I need to get two things out of the way. First what? off, I'm an Oregon fan, <laughs> so I've long admired Chip's ways, so I admit a, a bias there. And Number two, the timing for this rant couldn't be worse. I was all ready to send my boy Chip, and then we get the news he might sign Tebow. No, don't do it, Chip. And, you know, why did Mark <laughs> Sanchez not request a no Tebow clause in his contract as poorly as they work together in New York? I don't know. But he hasn't signed him yet, so I'm still going to defend Chip. Now, you know, some people are saying he gets too many former Ducks, but these are good players like Kiko Alonso and Walter Thurman that he acquired this offseason that are familiar with his ways. He is admittedly a kind of a micromanager, but I think Kelly is almost a, like a lifestyle coach, and he's very demanding of his guys to live by his rules. Many players can't live by those rules, so why not pick up guys that, that Chip knows can? Uh, and, you know, he, these are guys that he knows what they are on and off the field. And people say, but they lost Jeremy Macklin. But so what? You know, as Dynasty Dan Hines wrote last week in his DFW article in Chip We Trust, Macklin is now the seventh highest paid wide receiver in the league. He's not worth that kind of money with the injury risks that he has. Plus, you know, they took two receivers in the first three rounds last year, Josh Huff and the very impressive Jordan Matthews. Uh, You know, at running back, you know, if you have a 50% Murray, 25% Sproles, 25% Matthews split, they can keep them all fresh and their fantasy owners upset, but keep them fresh and ready for the playoffs. Now, now, personally, would I have given up a second rounder for Sam Bradford? No, but it's always seemed like the old saying, Chip's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers, and I'm pretty sure I'm part of the everybody else there. You know, they say the line between crazy and genius is very fine. I think Chip Kelly's on the genius side. But if they do go out and sign Tebow and make him their starting quarterback, then Chip Kelly is insane and should be hospitalized immediately. What do you think, Josh? Um, well... I know my one of my favorite people to listen to in the whole wild world is Eric Casillas. I listen to him every morning. He, he'll point out that Chip Kelly is last year at Oregon ran the ball 60, 65% of the time, which no NFL team has done that in a very long time. He's got the weapons, and especially if they get Tebow to, to do a lot of things with the running game. I know you can only be so creative because there's so many athletes on the on the on the NFL level on the defensive side of the ball, but it's, it's, it's weird what he's doing, but this guy's back to, has won 10 games back to back. They missed the playoffs last year, but they are 10 and six in both of those seasons. So I, I, you gotta, you gotta really just let him be and do what he's going to do until they go three and 13. I, I don't see that happening with the, with the players they acquired. Obviously McCoy was not, the fit there. There was obviously something else going on behind the scenes. But like you said, I mean, last year when we got when they got Darren Sproles, I brought up the fact that you know Nick Foles could be in the shotgun on third and seven and look to look to one side and have Sproles, look to the other side and have McCoy, and then look on the sidelines to see the defensive coordinator looking madly at his uh, at his at his whiteboard to see what he's, what's going to happen here. They possibly even just causing them to take a timeout. Now they got you know, Matthews and Murray and Sproles. You know, you can put Sproles in with either one of those running backs. What, what's what's going to happen? Um, I'm not sold that Sam Bradford is going to be their starting quarterback, and I'm not saying it's going to be Tebow. Uh, I, I still think there could be something up. You know, Sharona brought up something about Tennessee possibly trading down, and immediately, obviously, everybody's 
head goes, ooh, Chip Kelly, but I don't know if they have the goods to get that kind of pick out of them unless they, you know, they trade a, a couple picks to get up to them. But uh, uh, Tennessee is certainly a team that could use a few extra picks, so that's that's certainly a possibility. But I, I just don't see – Cleveland apparently offered him a first-rounder for Sam Bradford. I don't believe that, but that's the rumor out there. And if that's the case, I think they should have done it because they could have, if that was the case, if you know, they could maybe trade both of those first round picks this year's, this year's pick for them and Cleveland's to get up and, and uh, take Mariota there at two. I think Tennessee would potentially do that. So um, until Chip Kelly, Chip, did I say Chip Kelly? Um, Chip Kelly goes, you know, three and 13. I think you got to just trust him. Even if they go eight and eight this year, it's, the season is maybe a failure, but it's not a total failure. But uh, with the Giants and, unfortunately, Nick, your Redskins not looking to be on the upswing necessarily, I think the, it's going to be between them and Dallas. And Dallas just lost a running back to the enemy. So uh, we'll see uh, We'll see how it all works out there. But uh, I think Philly has a fighting chance to make the playoffs. And uh, like Dan said, and Chip, we trust. Um Moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, don't have anybody on to talk about the Jaguars today, uh, but um, we uh, but we have um, excuse me, uh, Blake Bortles' future is as being a top what quarterback? Nick, what do you think? There is he a top ten, top fifteen, top five? What well, do you think? Uh, currently, DFW has him ranked uh, quarterback number 22. I think he's underrated. He's got three, maybe four quality receivers if Justin Blackman returns. He's only 23 years old, and he was a high enough pick that I think he will have a very long leash and be allowed to play through some struggles. You know, currently he's ranked behind guys like Joe Flacco, who's 30 years old, RG3, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, who's probably a better player but in not as good of a situation as far as uh, the receiving core that he's got to work with, uh, Jay Cutler, and, you know, I, I prefer Bortles over, I think, all those guys in dynasty formats, you know, as a backup, of course, not a starter. Uh, you know, going into the draft, he was considered the most physically gifted quarterback coming out last year, but raw, and all those things are still true. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he finishes this year as, uh, in the top 15. Don't forget he had 400 yards on the ground, too. And eventually he could be a top 10 quarterback. You know, it's not like the Jaguars have a running game to lean on, so they're going to have to throw it. Yeah, with with Bortles, um, he like you said, being that high a pick, he's going to have a long leash, and I think they have no other choice but to just play this guy until he can't physically walk on the field anymore. Even if they go, you know, five and eleven this year, that would be an improvement. I just, I, you really got to stick to your guns and keep this guy in the lineup. Don't try to get cute. Don't try to get an easy fix with a veteran quarterback. You know, I they really just need to stick to it because this is the decision they made last year to draft him this high, and they really just need to stay home and do that because that's that's what's going to make him successful, to keep him in the lineup, have him make mistakes, have him learn from those mistakes, have him watch film of himself, and uh, just be a better player because of it. So I, I like that. I like that you, you just – and I think he potentially has, you know – the potential to end up in the top 10, especially like Nick said, with, with some very good receiving options. Julius Thomas is now there. Oh, and they have 
the two Allens, Hearns and Robinson, and Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee, I think, is an underrated player. Missed a lot of time last year, but a great possession guy and a couple of really guys, really good guys in, in Hearns and Robinson that can stretch the field. Um, so, Nick, with these three sophomore wideouts, are they ready to rock, and who's going to become the top target getter? Well, you look at other targets last year. Marquise Lee had 69, Allen Robinson 81, and Allen Hearns with 97. But I think Hearns is more of a deep threat burner type of receiver. He's got the highest yards per catch out of the three. So those guys usually are not the most heavily targeted. So I'm going to throw him out of the mix. You know, heading into last year's draft, I preferred Allen Robinson to Marquise Lee, and I still kind of lean that way. He's got to stay healthy. He only played 10 games as compared to 13 for Lee, and uh, Hearns played all 16. But even with less games, he had four double-digit target games, whereas both Lee and Hearns only had two double-digit target games. Uh, and right now, DSW has Robinson ranked uh, the wide receiver 30, Blackman, Dustin Blackman at 44, Lee at 49, and Hearns at 77. I, I agree with those rankings there. Uh, yeah, I think Lee, like you said, Hearns is kind of the deep threat. Robinson and Lee can do so much damage over the middle. If they can keep Lee healthy, um, you know, it's no secret they let, you know, Steve Schwartz go. They drafted these three guys last year. Maybe Hearns was a late you know, free agent signing. But anyway, they got three quality rookie receivers out of out of, out of of the offseason last year. And I think with a young quarterback, they're going to be able to come up together and do that. And I think Julius Thomas is only going to help you guys. Um, I think Lee could – I think Robinson's probably the best wide receiver of all of them. I don't know how he's going to bounce back from the injury. Lee's got some injury issues and history too. But I think Lee could probably be the top target getter. But if Robinson stays fully healthy and bounces back like he like uh, to 100%, he can certainly be a special player. As far as this year, I think Lee's a top target getter. Future-wise, I think Robinson could end up being the better receiver. Um, who is going to be the leading rusher for this Jags team next year? Nick? Dynasty owners well, want to know. <laughs> well, Denard Robinson had 135 carries for 582 yards, and that led the team last year, 4.3 yards per carry. But he did get hurt and missed the final three games. You know, barring a solid pickup, I think Robinson, again, should lead the team. The former Michigan quarterback is just far more explosive than Toby Gerhardt, who only had 3.2 yards per carry. Uh, Jordan Todman and Storm Johnson are both in the mix, but neither one of those guys had over 200 yards last year. Uh, Robinson must work on his pass protection to stay on the field more. And at under 200 pounds, there's always going to be durability concerns. But as far as the guys that are there now, you've got to thank Robinson for front runner. Yeah, I I wouldn't waste a high pick on him though. If he's there late and you still need some running back depth, I think you can do that. Um, as far as dynasty wise, I do think Storm Johnson has some value. I wouldn't totally cast him to the side as maybe a possible late round pick um, for your dynasty team there. So uh, let's shift to the defense, Nick. Um, please help me with this name. Is it Paul Pazlusi? Uh, Paul me, I believe. <laughs> me, okay. Woof. If he returns to form at his middle linebacker position, will Telvin Smith and Jonathan Cyprin need to make 100 tackles? What do you think? 
Well, uh, Pogorski was great in 2013. He, and he went to his first Pro Bowl and had 122 solo tackles, but he's going to be 31, and he's coming off a torn pectoral only seven games last year, and we've seen other linebackers with that injury have it reoccur and struggle with it like Brian Arakpo. Uh I love Cyprin. He started 15 games each of his two seasons. Uh, he's only going to be 25 years old this year, 80 or more solo tackles each of those two years. Now, DFW currently has uh, Telvin Smith as their linebacker 21 and Pozlozny is number 15. Personally, I'd flip those two. Uh, you look at uh, Telvin Smith. He's only 23 years old, only started nine games, but played all 16 as a rookie fifth-round pick. And he was an every-down player from week 12 on, eight or more solo tackles in four or six games from then on. Uh, if Pozlozny's healthy, then, yeah, they're not going to get 100 tackles for each of these guys. But, you know, I personally wouldn't count on, on Pozlozny staying healthy. And if he does stay healthy, I think it would probably hurt Smith's value more than Cypress. Okay. Yeah, he certainly proved to be a great player. And, you know, I think a lot of people, just because this team had such a bad record last year, didn't really realize that they only lost, they lost him seven games in the season. Um, Telvin Smith played out of his mind last year for this team. Uh, 6'3", 218 pounds. Is that your typical weight for a linebacker? But because he is that, you know, slight, I think he has a little more of a step on some some guys and can certainly get get out on the edge and do some damage. Um, Cyprin is a quality tackler, and this team needs tacklers in the back end because they have some other questions on their defense. Another team that's been highly linked to uh, – to uh, Leonard Williams, there. I've seen a couple teams or a couple mocks where they have these guys taking a wide receiver in the mock, in the first round. I don't think that would ever happen there. But uh, what what are your thoughts there, Nick, on uh, maybe their free agency period so far and kind of draft priorities for them? Uh, well, they don't have a lot of cap space to work with. Uh, a couple guys they could save uh, seven and a half million if they cut Pozlozny, uh six point eight million if they cut Mercedes Lewis, uh, three million to cut Toby Gerhardt if they did need to free up some some space. Uh, they've lost Cecil Shorts, uh, the linebacker J.T. Thomas, cornerback Will Blackman, and the defensive lineman Red Bryant are the biggest losses so far. But uh, like you've mentioned before, they signed Julius Thomas. Uh, they got some offensive line help in Jeremy Parnell from Dallas. Uh, linebacker Dan Scuda from San Francisco, and they picked up a couple guys in the secondary, Sergio Brown and uh, Devin House from Indianapolis and Green Bay, respectively. Uh, as far as their needs, I think they need to, they still need some help on the O-line to give Bortles a better chance to succeed, and defensive, help on the defensive side all over the place. So I think number three is probably too high. They picked three overall in the draft. I think that's probably too high for any of the offensive linemen coming out. But, yeah, they, they need help defensively. Oh, like like we said, we've talked about they have some they have some athletes there, but with uh, Pozlowski being you know 31, they might want to go that route later in the draft. A guy like Bryce Hager, possibly out of Baylor, um, some other some other talents there. Of course, our our, our friend Javante Williams could be a, a nice upgrade for them on the edge too if they need to go that route. Um, every team could use an offensive lineman. I'm going to probably say that for the next six weeks, but they could always, they could always go that route. Um, you got to throw their name in the hat with the running backs too. I mean, I know we, we've talked about the running backs, but there's nobody out there that really says, Oh yeah, this guy's going to be their RB one. So, um, you know, if Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley make it through round one, I could see them jumping there. But, uh, Tevin Coleman got his name right this time. Tevin Coleman is also a guy out there that I really like. Uh, Jeremy Lankford is a guy that's 
you know, slipping a lot of mocks to third or fourth round. Uh, David Cobb, Mike Davis, everybody at TFW absolutely loves Mike Davis. He's a fifth or sixth round guy. They have options. Uh, David Johnson, I've noticed Nick take David Johnson in a few mocks out of northern Iowa. You got some you got some film on him or something, Nick? What do you think about him for this team later in the later rounds? Yeah, I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, like you said, they they could use they definitely need help at running back. So I, I think David Johnson, he's one of those small schools kids, might slip a little bit in grass. They might be able to get a good value there. Okay. Um, shifting to some other kind of thoughts here on the left, maybe still a week two of the free agency period. Uh, Reggie Bush is apparently going to take some third down work away from Carlos Hyde, maybe third long work away from him. Uh, any, any thoughts there and any other thoughts on other, the, some of the other free agency signs slash trades? Well, as far as the Reggie Bush signing, I don't think that changes his value a whole lot. I think he'll probably see the same kind of uh, work that he would have seen if he had remained in Detroit. Uh, Some guys that value went up uh, so far in the last week. I think Sam Bradford in Philly definitely is more valuable than he was. Uh, Ryan Mallett, he only has to beat out Brian Hoyer, so he's probably going to be a starter there in Houston. And Russell Wilson, as far as quarterbacks go, his value definitely improved more than anybody else with what's happened so far in the Jimmy Graham acquisition. Uh, yeah, Kenny Stills, big move going to Miami. Conversely, Mike Wallace getting flipped to Minnesota. Um, obviously, those trades are made just to shift some money around. I can't believe the NBA or the NFL is coming to that NBA style of shifting money around. But I mean, I think they traded him and a fifth and a and a seventh round pick and got a fifth round pick in return or something like that. I just I don't understand that. Now there's a whole bunch of wide receivers. Granted, Bridgewater's got some weapons, and I think that's going to be a great fit for them. But, you know, people considered Wallace's time in Miami a disappointment. But, you know, I don't think anybody expected him to go there and be a wide receiver one and get 1,600 yards every single season. I think he did what he could with a young quarterback, and now he's going to have to do the exact same thing again. I don't know why people are always hard on this uh, Mike Wallace guy, but – they have, you know, Charles Johnson there who really emerged as a, as a nice wide receiver last year, Cordell Patterson, Jarius Wright. They have options, Kyle Rudolph. So that, that could be a, that could be a nice move for, uh, for uh, Wallace as he maybe just returns to that kind of uh, deep threat speedster role. Maybe they can put him in the slot and, uh, and do some things there. They also, you know, maybe, maybe that takes a little pressure off Cordell Patterson and he could do some some more things there. The Stills move still kind of uh, baffles me. Now you got him and uh, Jarvis Landry fighting there for targets with Brian Hartline also exiting. So, uh, oh, and then we have T. Rich to Oakland. We already talked about that. But, um, yeah, some weird some weird trades in the NFL. Like I said, we're unfortunately shifting to the NBA style of maybe just moving some money around. But I like that trade for Wallace, and uh, maybe it's not the – greatest thing for his fantasy value, but it's certainly going to help Teddy Bridgewater's fantasy value. Um, moving on to the Houston Texans. Uh, a lot of questions with this team. They just really seem just interested in addressing that quarterback situation. I mean, I know they did, but, I mean, are we really sold on Brian Hoyer or Ryan Mallett? I mean, is this Mallett's job? And I mean, who's capable of getting this taking this job over, who's capable of holding it? What do you think? 
Well, I hope it's going to be Ryan Mallett. I feel like I've seen enough of Brian Hoyer to last a lifetime. Uh, Hoyer has definitely got the experience edge, and both quarterbacks are familiar with the head coach Bill O'Brien system from their time together in New, New England. Uh, last year, Hoyer had 3,300 yards, 55% completions, uh, 12 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. And at 29 years old and in year six, he should be better than that. It's, you know, I don't think he's going to be anything more than mediocre at this point. So I think Houston Houston should try to sink or swim with the more physically gifted Ryan Mallett. He's got a stronger arm than Hoyer, and combine that with DeAndre Hopkins' abilities, that could at least help try to keep defenses honest. Okay. Um, well, before I forget about it, it looks like we had somebody listening live. We are no longer live on the air. We need to fix that for next week. But we have a, a question here from Twitter, Nick. 16-team dynasty PPR. I trade Robert Woods, um, M. Jones. I guess we'll consider that maybe Marvin Jones. And a 2017 first-round pick for Jeremy Mack. Not excited about trading that pick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I personally wouldn't do it. I, I I just try to avoid Kansas City. Any any receiver playing with Alex Smith, I would try to avoid. Okay, yeah, and I think Robert Woods is a good player. You know, Buffalo was one of the names thrown into an article about uh, possibly Philip Rivers on the move. Gosh, what would that do for Sammy Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods? I know that's I know that's completely far fetched, but. If they get a quarterback that can actually sling it in there, and I still think EJ Manning can be the man, but uh, I think Robert Woods has a really good future, even if it's not in Buffalo. If he's if he's, if he's moved here in the next couple of years, I don't like giving up that, especially for Macklin. You gotta you gotta not uh, not trust Macklin at this point in time, unfortunately. So, um, back to the Texans though, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously the man. Cecil Schwartz now the number two. Uh, who's number three? I guess Nick. What do you think? Uh, well, last probably the same guy who was the number three last year, Demarius Johnson. He caught a uh, thirty-one of forty-nine targets for only three hundred thirty-one yards and one score. Uh, he's only five foot eight and one seventy-five, so he's probably just a slot receiver. Might not be able to fill in on the outside if uh, injuries were to strike. A couple other guys that are there: uh, Keyshawn Martin, who's five eleven, fell from a career high twenty-two catches for two hundred fifty yards in twenty thirteen to only catching six balls last year. And uh, Devere Posey also uh, is in the mix there, but he was a healthy scratch most of twenty fourteen, only had one catch. But at six foot one, he does provide more size than the other guys available. But I, I do think that uh, Demarius Johnson probably will be third as far as the receivers go. Uh, now, obviously, with them letting uh, Andre Johnson walk, maybe there's possibly a receiver that they want in the draft too. So the, look, look, to, look to that, I guess. Um, well, this team has a few guys on the defensive side of the ball: J.J. Watts, uh, hell yes, Brian Cushing, D.J. Swearinger. Um, but then we have Jadavian Clowney. Unfortunately, on MLS, my fantasy league, he is listed as a linebacker, which kills his value, unless, of course, he somehow gets you know twenty sacks. Uh, any thoughts there on what? If we can get any IDP value at all out of Jadavian Clowney, a linebacker? 
Well, like you said, being listed as a linebacker uh, kills his value. He's ranked uh, DFW's linebacker number 67. He only had five tackles in his four games last year. And, you know, I know he struggled with the injuries, and hopefully he can come back at 100%. But, yeah, unless you're in a sack-heavy scoring league, then he's probably not worth a whole lot. Yeah, it's, you know, with Watt on the other side, pushing in the middle, maybe people will run right at you, Dean Clowney. I just, you know, I don't know. With, and he potentially could get, you know, 50. I don't know. I, you would, it'd be hard for him to see, to see him, especially with his injury history, getting more than 50 tackles for this team. I, I guess, and this is my honest opinion, what, what do you think there, Nick? Yeah, I agree. I think pass rushing is the reason the, the Texans drafted him number one overall. Uh, he's not going to be playing middle linebacker anytime soon, that's for sure. Okay, another question. Who's going to replace Kendrick Lewis's production? Now, I mentioned DJ Swearinger earlier, but when you actually look at the stat book, Lewis was the other safety there with Swearinger, and they both were right about the 50-52 tackle mark. Uh, Kendrick Lewis is a is a quality player. I think he did get signed somewhere else. I didn't officially see that. But who? how are they going to replace his production? Is there anybody on this roster? Or are they going to have to go into the draft? Well, I believe they brought in Raheem Moore from Denver, uh, who had 43 tackles and four interceptions last year. Uh, Moore is a lot better uh, against the pass than he is against the run. So I think his addition, in theory, could free up uh, the other safety, DJ Swearinger, to be more active versus the run. Uh, Right now, Swearinger's ranked our defensive back number 22. He's former second-round pick and only 23 years old uh, and played every game last year, uh, 52 tackles and was third on the team and 54 tackles as a rookie. So I, I think his stock could improve there with the addition of Moore. Uh, I didn't miss the Raheem Moore. That is a, a hell of a sign for them, actually. Um, I think Chief uh, Swearinger been having both of these guys been fine for illegal helmet to helmet hits. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's that's quite the pairing, actually. If you don't know these guys, you, you need to you need to get deep into your um, uh, IDP research because. Raheem Moore, only 49 tackles last year, but he's a guy I think that has the capability to make a lot more if you need him to. Um, this defense is looking pretty solid. I I, I know they they they, re-signed, they got Jonathan Joseph, they re-signed Kareem Jackson, but they got a lot of talent on this defense. And, uh, you know, if if Clowney actually pushes through and, and can make some, make some noise, that's going to be crazy. Oh, and they also signed Vincent Wilfork up the middle. They got Luis Nix behind him coming off a knee injury. They've got a lot of talent on this defense. Um, obviously, they're not too concerned about their offense. But uh, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts there? Uh, Will Fork obviously, obviously is going to be a big, a big boost for them, don't you think? Uh, yeah, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth, and so hopefully his body can hold up. But if he can be the same player for Houston as he was for New England, he can definitely free up a lot of those uh, playmakers to be even more active around the field. Yeah, I mean, that's got probably the best thing to happen to Clowney is for them to sign goal for Because not only do they have Watt on the other side and pushing, pushing things, now, now they have a legit run stopper there in the middle. Um. Let's shift back to the offensive side of the ball here. Arian Foster, basically 56 years old. We talked about him earlier. 
Does that make Alfred Morris top handcuffs slash dynasty gem, Nick? Please say yes, because I have him on a dynasty team. What are your thoughts? Well, I think Alfred Blue, he's a top handcuff option, definitely. Look at last year. Foster had 260 carries. Blue had 169. And their number three running back, uh, Jonathan Grimes, only had 39 carries. So he's definitely the top handcuff there. He had a big week, big game in week 11 at Cleveland, 36 carries for 156 yards. But I, I'm not buying him as a dynasty gem yet. Uh, he only had 3.1 yards per carry on the season. 10 games with three yards or less per carry. That average scares me a lot. You look at some of his stat lines, nine carries for nine yards, seven for 13, seven for six, eight for six, nine for 15. Those numbers tend to make me think of him more as a handcuff than a, than a dynasty gem. Yeah, I did 500 and some 500 plus yards last year. Had had some 15 receptions out of the backfield too. So he certainly was a, a capable capable guy and I know he got a lot of buzz and Foster was out. Um guy from uh Louisiana State, uh, not you know not not highly touted but certainly uh certainly was capable when they asked him to. Um and I you know I think when we see these guys that kind of have this maybe a bad example Bernard, uh Bernard Pierce who kind of did the same thing one year with Ray Rice uh, had quietly had 500 yards. Uh, when you get a 500 yards out of your running back, either you're having problems with your top running back or you have a really good run game. And I think um, I think Blue has the potential to be a, to be a, an RB one. Maybe not this year. Obviously, with Foster still there, but uh, he's certainly a guy if you're looking to add running back depth in your dynasty league. I think he's going to get the opportunity when Foster does leave this team to do that. So not not quite a dynasty gem. But like Nick said, you certainly can have those handcuffs. He's not quite Niall Davis, but he's certainly a decent handcuff because we know Arian Foster's injury history. Um, so you want to you want to certainly take a look at that. So um, that's about all we have for you today. Uh, next week, like I said, uh, Sonia Greenfield, NFL females, will be talking about her Detroit Lions with us, and we have current NFL free agent Dante Rump join us, kind of talk about. Uh, that type of thing and how, how it is from the player perspective. So uh, looking forward to both of those guests next week as we talk about the NFC North. Hopefully I will be feeling a lot better. Nick, any closing thoughts there? I just want to mention two tight ends whose values probably went up. Jordan Cameron going to Miami. He's finally out of Cleveland and that awful quarterback situation they've had there for basically his whole career. And then uh, Owen Daniels, at least his short-term value skyrockets going to Denver and being able to play with Peyton Manning. Yeah, most definitely. That's all we have for you today. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I want to thank Sharona and Julie and, of course, draft hopeful Carla Taylor for joining us. Uh, Great guest today once again. Love those gals over at NFL Females. And uh, we appreciate them so much for helping us out. They, they know what they're talking about. Carlos Taylor, look him up, watch the film. This guy's got a future. Six or seven round deal in my mind. I love that. Check it out next week. Keep Greenfield. That's it, Rob. Have a great week.
Bailey didn't get his head around on the play. I think it's the reason he got the yes, play. Yes, there are penalties in the Pro Bowl. Pass interference. <laughs> Defense number 24. The ball is placed at the one-yard line. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 